Welcome to the Fire Inside Her podcast, a safe space for leadership, self-care, and community. I'm your host, Diane Schroeder, and it is my privilege to be your guide on the journey to authenticity. I don't know if you've heard me talk about my love for the TV show, Ted Lasso. It is one of the best three-season TV series that I've ever watched. It is a goldmine for leadership, emotional intelligence, courageous conversations, mental health struggles, and humor. It truly is one of the greatest shows. There's a scene, and I will link this clip in the show notes, where Ted talks about curiosity over judgment. And it is such a valuable lesson. Of course, it's delivered impeccably with humor. And the point gets across that as leaders, as humans, if we can lean into being curious and asking questions over assumptions and making judgments, we can really empower our people and create a healthier organization. My guest this week leads with curiosity. She and I met a couple years ago when I gave my TED Talk. I love when the universe coordinates great meetings of people. I met Gretchen while I was actually auditioning for the TED Talk, and then we connected during the process. She shared with me her leadership business and what she does. And then we had a few connections in the fire service and it just been a great relationship since. She is very down to earth, very common sense. And you know her curiosity. She asks a lot of questions and I really appreciated her vulnerability in our conversation. One of the things that we talk about are the gremlins that kind of sneak up on us and that self-doubt and your security detail that tells you what you shouldn't do and that this is a terrible idea when the reality of it is it's just something new and changes hard. And while I believe your gremlins and your security detail are there to look out for you and protect you, it's also important to acknowledge them, put them away, and continue moving forward on your path. Gretchen Reed is the founder and CEO of Integrated Growth, a leadership and organizational development consultancy specializing in organizational change and leadership culture. Gretchen is committed to solving complex challenges in business and society through an integrated approach to leadership and organizational development. Her clients will tell you that she is adept at rapidly building trust and teamwork in a way that allows people to transcend beyond their positions and focus on shared vision and common interests. She brings more than 30 years experience coaching leaders and creating customized award-winning leadership and talent development programs in the fields of healthcare, wellness, outdoor industry, hospitality, and public service. Her expertise has directly contributed to awards, including Fast Companies, 50 Most Innovative Companies, 
Forbes America's Best Employers List, Forbes Best Employer for Diversity, and ASTD Best. Gretchen is an adjunct professor of HR change management and leading a culture of innovation for DU, University College Strategic HR Master's Program. Another item that we talked about that really struck a chord with me is focusing on what's working well. Too often, whether it's for personal development or organizational growth, I think we tend to have a negative bias towards what's broken and what do we need to fix. But what if we flipped the perspective to what's working well? What am I good at? What are the skills that I have that I can build upon to be even stronger? And then surround myself with people that can fill the gaps as a leader of things that I'm not as great at. Instead of focusing on improving the things that we aren't strong in, I challenge you to focus on what you're good at and what your strengths are. And the same from an organizational perspective. What is working? How can you build on what is working? This is my challenge to you. I want you to take a moment at some point when you're able to and write down five of your strengths of what's working well in your life right now and how can you build on those positive strengths. Same for your professional life. What is working well in your organization? Make a list of three to five things that are working well and how can you impact your organization moving forward by focusing on what's working well. Hi, Gretchen. How are you doing? I am awesome. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to have you here. I always get really excited when I have guests that I know because it just, you know, it's a lot less nervous for me. <laughs> I love digging into authentic conversations. So to get started with my random question, icebreaker, I would love to know what your favorite candy is. Well, that's easy. Dark chocolate. And in particular, lit dark chocolate with the red pepper or hot pepper or something like that. Mm, delicious. Interesting. With a glass of dark red wine, you put the little piece of candy in your mouth, swirl it around a little bit, get it to melt, and then take a little sip of that red wine and let it mix together. Oh, so good. That sounds delightful. I'm going to have to try that. I just recently discovered Trader Joe's dark chocolate, which my cousin introduced me to. And holy cow, it is really good. And I'm not a huge dark chocolate fan, but the dark chocolate with a little spice and some red wine sounds right up my alley. Absolutely. You just have to be careful of that Trader Joe's one because it's, what, a pound and a half or something like that? <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> Fortunately, with the boys in the house, they tend to eat more than I do, and I'll forget about it. Nice. Yes, that works out well. Now, do you drink the wine and chocolate while sitting on your deck in the beautiful town of Breckenridge, where you get these amazing views and nature? Yes. Typically, I'm doing this red wine and dark chocolate thing through the winter time. My summer time on the deck thing is a gin and tonic. <laughs> That's the summer time. 
The winter time is sitting still in the sun, but inside and looking out at the beautiful view across the way. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. You know, I'm excited to talk to you as well, because a lot of what we talk about on this show is leadership. And if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your journey to leadership and how you became a leadership facilitator and just a little bit of your background to set the stage for my listeners, I would appreciate it. Sure, absolutely. So one of the things that's kind of funny my mom always says is I've been doing this work since I was six years old. So I think I came out of the womb as a leadership coach and a team builder and just somebody who's always been very curious about what is really going on behind closed doors. I remember as a little girl, I'd walk around to my little girlfriend's houses and I'd just be wondering, you know, what's really going on in that household and what are those dynamics? And I was that person who invited all the neighborhood over and we'd play kick the can and, you know, other kinds of yard games. And so right from there, I mean, I did go to college and I got a master's in career and human resource development. That's really where my career started in it. And yeah, it just kind of took off from there. Awesome. And so you have had your own business for quite some time. Yes. I actually started Integrated Growth in 1998. And it was after I had had a few jobs working in the area of leadership development. Then I left, you know, the job or the corporate world, if you will, and started Integrated Growth. And I'll I'll give your listeners one point. If anybody's ever wanting to start their own business, do not start it while sitting in a dark, cold basement as your office. Um, I did that. It was miserable. My gremlins just came. They didn't just sit on my shoulder. They were like really in my face. And you can't do this. What do you have to offer? And all those kinds of crazy things. And so that first year of my launch was really difficult. And I actually put it back up on the shelves and I went and got another job. (laughs) And I did that for another couple of years and then came back out and really made a hit on it. I love that. I don't think we talk enough about that. And as I've transitioned from an almost 24 year over half my life in the fire service to now, kind of working for myself and starting my own business. Those gremlins are like eating popcorn on my windowsill as I'm staring out the window. Like, <laughs> I love that idea of the gremlins because they're everywhere at times. I don't think we talk about that enough because, you know, we're supposed to be badass women and it's, you know, no fear. And I'm like, oh, no, any doubt I've ever had, I feel, is keeps bubbling up and bubbling up. And tempting me to, you know, stop and go figure out and do something else because you can't do that. And you are an example that you absolutely can do that. And not only that, you have a very unique niche, I guess, is the best way to put it. So you've spent a lot of time working with the outdoor recreation industry or ski industry, correct? Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? So I actually spent seven years working with Vail Resorts. And, you know, it's interesting. I started with them when they were about five or six uh, resorts. And now, of course, they're 
I don't know, 40 something. <laughs> when I left, they were at 37 resorts. And part of my job with them was to establish the leadership development program, if you will, but it was really much more than a program. It was that foundation that allowed them to grow in that way, such that it created a certain leadership culture and leadership language that allowed leaders to not just move up in the organization, but move laterally from resort to resort and still have that same language and understanding and culture and fit. And that was a great time in in my career. I just absolutely loved it. And now uh, that's one of the things that myself and my team members do is create leadership development programs for really any organization in the outdoor or wellness industry. We also work a lot in healthcare. Whatever kind of an organization that are really mission-driven and kind of entrepreneurial-based, even if they're large. As you're saying that, I'm thinking of, okay, five resorts to now over 40 resorts, creating that framework so that it can expand and grow and really focusing on that leadership development is so important. And would you mind sharing a little bit about why you think that's really important and how creating a solid leadership foundation really translates to a great, healthy culture? Well, there's a lot to it. So first off, when I joined the resorts, there was some leadership development at some of the resorts, but it was nothing that was strategic to the direction of the organization and enterprise-wide such that it drove a particular style of leadership, if you will. So one of the things that I think is so important when designing for leadership development in any organization is making sure that it is tied to the mission, the vision, the values, you know, what is really important to that organization, to that company, to that leadership. And one of the things that's interesting, you know, is as we work with leaders around identifying this, what we call the leadership brand or the leadership culture, is we first ask the question of what's already working? Because instead of coming in from the outside and saying, well, you should have this leadership competency or these values, it's more about asking the question of what's already working and makes it work. And what do you already value and what's already important to you and what difference do you want to make in the world and in your industry and how are you going to get there? And the answer to all of those questions really allows us to identify what is important to that organization versus any other organization. So everything that we do is totally customized and unique and authentic to that company and to that leadership. You know, it's music to my ears to hear that because I believe the same thing that there's no one size fits all. There are certain elements, of course, but and focusing on what's already working well, you can nurture and grow that. 
I equate that to, you know, a question like, what are your strengths and your weaknesses? And I hate that question because I've learned over the years, I focus on my strengths. I'm aware of what my shortcomings are and I know, and I usually try to reach out to find someone who is strong in those areas to help me be better instead of trying to be everything to everyone. And it sounds like that's how you coach and guide organizations to focus on what they're already really good at and what they're strong at and grow and nurture that, which is a huge gift to the organizations. I will tell you a story. When we were on a call a few months ago, we were talking about the fire service and you're curious and you ask these questions. And one of the dots you connected for me that kind of blew my mind, that was so simple and so obvious, but I never connected it, is we were talking about the rank of chief and kind of why chiefs or, and really it's any executive leader, why they may be struggling and where's the disconnect. And it's, you know, in the fire service, it was, well, we've always done teamwork, 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 teamwork. And then all of a sudden you make this leap to now you're the designated adult and it's kind of lonely and it's a skill set that we don't prepare people for of now you're a solo person instead of a team person yet you're responsible for the team and you probably really miss the team because that's what you've known for the majority of your career. Do you find that that to be true in all levels or in all different types of organizations that making that leap to kind of leader, whether it's in the middle or above from being part of that community and team to leadership is a challenge for everyone? I would say absolutely it is a challenge for everybody. And and I think that's why it's so important to have a community around yourself. And I know community is something that you love to talk about on these uh, podcasts and conversations. And so it's true as individuals rise higher and higher in organization, it does become more and more lonely. In fact, just yesterday I was teaching or kind of doing a team coaching so than a workshop, I would say. But we were talking about leadership line. And basically, it is a concept of as you move up in an organization, your skill set has to change, your focus has to change, what's important and what you value needs to change. And you need to become more of a leader and a strategist and a culture holder, if you will, rather than a doer in the operations. And so you have to unlearn some things to learn some new things. But again, as you do rise up further in any organization, whether in the fire and rescue and your title as chief, or if it is any other organization and your title as CEO or what have you, that this is something that I've worked with a lot of high-level, C-level executives where they don't have anybody to talk to. And I lend them that ear and that space to pause and to themselves and literally sometimes to cry with me to really help them understand like what is behind the loneliness and how can they overcome that But not only that, as people grow in organization and grow in their leadership, 
they find themselves face to face with their fears and face to face with their old patterns that are no longer working for them and even needs that they they needed in the past that no longer are going to serve them and they need to let those go. And so very often our coaching even ends up being a kind of dig back into your childhood and really understand what is it that's holding you back and how are you going to let that go and how are you really going to move into your greater potential and essentially take a hold of of your potential and do what you've been called to do in your life and your leadership. Oof, that gives me goosebumps. And every it just hits really deeply when you say that because a lot of the people that I've spoken with and talked to, and you know, I'm a huge book nerd, they all say the same thing in a similar way, maybe slightly different. You can't outrun doing the work on yourself. The more you want to thrive and, you know, excel, you've got to, like you said, go back find out, you know, make peace with your past, maybe put some rocks down. But really, I think the bigger message is that more often than not, everyone goes through this part of it. It's part of the leadership journey. It's part of the the messy middle piece of it. And I don't know that it ever goes away. I mean, I feel like every time I think I get a handle on something and something pops up and I'm like, Jiminy Crickets, not again. <laughs> I didn't anticipate that to, you know, stir up from you know the past. I thought I'd work on that. It's like these rocks keep coming up. And I think that's just life. And I feel like to some extent we're sold this bill of goods, right? That once you get to X part in your life, it's going to be great. Once you hit this mark or you get this level of leadership or this job title, then everything's gravy after that. And I believe the opposite is actually true. No, it's a lot more work because now you've got to, you have more responsibility. You've got to bring other people up behind you. And you also said something about the culture. And that is such a huge, important piece that I don't think we talk enough about with leadership, that leaders are the keepers of the culture. And we spend so much money on our personnel and hiring people and retaining people And how much time do we spend focusing on the culture of the organization? I think leaders need to hear that more. And do you find the same, I guess, to be true that do you have to remind leaders that, hey, it's not just about leading and achieving, it's also the culture and retaining your amazing staff and keeping everything running smoothly? Yeah. There is so much in what you just said. I wish we had like all day to unpack it. So one of the things that I always talk about is, okay, so there's three different identities, if you will, that leads to a really great leader is first, you are a person, you are a human being. Second, you are a team member and productive part of a team. And then third, you're a leader. And so often people can go into leadership and they feel like can leave themselves at the door and they're always their humanity or their personality or their flaws or fears, all of that crap, right? 
leave all of that at the door and just show up as a leader. Well, you can't do that because guess what? You are still that toddler. You are still that young person. You are still that person who has those gremlins, those fears, those beliefs that you got from your childhood, from your parents, from whatever has happened in your life, right? And so to be able to just say, well, that's not part of leadership, you're missing a whole piece that is actually your power. Your power is to really get to know yourself through leadership and share some of those stories so that others can come behind you, see who you are as the person, and feel that connection and that level of trust that if you're willing to be vulnerable with your team and you're willing to just kind of come to the table as a human being, solve problems as a human being instead of a process or a system or, you know, people will see you. And when you're seen, you're followed. Well, and that's the scary part, right? That's the fear that you face is, man, are people going to like what they see? And if you can't see yourself or at least like make peace with, you know, I don't like myself all the time, but I'm a pretty good person. It's really hard to be that authentic, vulnerable self. And I mean, and really what I'm hearing you say is that's the secret thoughts is you just have to be you, be your human self and be authentic and know that I believe if you do the right things or the choices you make are for the right reasons, you put your people first, you put your organization and the people you serve, it may not always be popular and it may not always, you know, you might have to pivot and make another decision. But if you use those as your guideposts, you're probably on the right track. Right. And people will follow you. I've actually been writing quite a few articles recently. Anybody can go out to integratedgrowth.com and go to the resources page and find these articles. You know, it's interesting, three plus years that we've been in with COVID and, you know, we think we're out of it and we think in a way we can go back to how we used to be as leaders and as organizations, as communities and people. We can't. And I do believe that there is a new generation of leaders being born out of the COVID pandemic because we've all had learned a lot about ourselves. Some individuals got thrown into leadership because there was nobody else because other people left or they were thrown into leadership just because of the situation. They had to take on a new team or change a new process or innovate in a new way in order to stay alive as an organization. And through that, they had to learn this new way of leadership that truly human first, people first, and almost like really thinking through problems from that, what do the people need and what's going to work for them, whether that is their customer, their guests, their community, or their employees, or even themselves. And, you know, you can just come up with a process for process sake. It's got to be around 
the people and what's going to work. I think that a lot of leaders have had these aha wake-up moments over the past three years. Yeah, I think in my experience as a leader through the pandemic and how it changed me, you know, there was just so many unknowns and something that we couldn't fix. And I think as leaders, probably all have a little bit of a fixer in us because we want to fix problems. And the pandemic was a problem we really couldn't fix. So we had to be creative, think outside the box, and really tap into a different way of doing and seeing things. And I think that's important. And the other thing that we haven't said, which again, is I assume is it's people over profits. And when businesses and organizations don't have that mindset, I feel like there's always going to be a struggle there that you have to remember the people first. And if you can make that space and make a great, healthy organization, I believe everything else takes care of itself. Your retention, profit, whatever, you can handle all that if you have that mindset. Now, because a lot of people that I talk to don't see themselves as leaders. They don't identify as a leader. They don't think they're a leader. So can you speak at all to that? Is there like a mindset maybe or something in you that can flip a switch to identify more as a leader and not just a doer or a follower? Yes. I mean, my philosophy very strongly is everyone is a leader. And some people say, well, that's BS. Not everybody is a leader. But everybody's a leader themselves. Whether they're making good choices or they're not making very good choices, you're still a leader yourself, right? And, you know, it's interesting because, again, a workshop that I was just doing and group coaching that I was just doing is it's very much about self-reflection and identifying areas of development and identifying and asking for not feedback necessarily around where you've been and what you've done in the past, but I like to call it feed forward. So for instance, if I know that what I'm working is being you know, truly a leader who people want to follow versus have to follow because of the org chart, that I might put that out to my peers and say, you know, this is what I'm working towards and ask them for some ideas on what I might do, how I might be. There's more of a be, do, have. I don't know if your audience has heard this concept, but very often we look at things uh, such as I want, to have a promotion or I want to be able to purchase my first home or whatever it might be. And so we say, well, in order to do that, I have to do something to get that and then I will be happy, right? (laughs) I have to, you know, get the next job so that, right? And so that becomes this do have be kind of formula. Well, that doesn't work. It does not work. And so I was just talking with a client literally just before coming on here, and he was struggling with going from this place of a doer to a leader. And he knows he needs to, 
But he actually, there's a part of him that kind of doesn't want to because he loves the doing part. He loves to be in operations. He loves to have hands-on. And so I said, well, really elevating your leadership doesn't mean that you now have to be out of operations in, in an office where you're not going to be productive, you're not going to be creative, but instead be in operations, but instead of just doing the things and leaving others behind, actually put somebody under your wing, bring them along, teach them, become a mentor, become a coach, become that leader such that your legacy is that when you leave the organization, which someday you will, that what you're leaving behind is a team of people who have grown underneath you and can completely take care of the tasks of the day as you walk into the sunset, right? And so when I said it that way, he was like, I can really be this leader without necessarily letting go of my passion of being in operations. I just have to change my mindset so therefore, when I change my mindset and I start being different, I will actually have, do the right things and then have what I'm after. I love hearing that. You know, it's interesting because I say the same thing when I work with people who are going through the promotional process. I'm like, the first time I meet with them, it's all about mindset. Like, it doesn't matter. I can have all the right answers to the assessment center but you have to be in the right mindset. So you have to start acting in the position you want to be in now and have that mindset because what changes is not the job. What changes is you, the person, and how you show up every day impacts how you will perform and it will impact how you lead. It will also impact whether or not people want to work with you or not. Yeah, it's so much more about changing essentially what's between your ears <laughs> versus changing what you do. Because here, here's another example is I'll have clients very often ask me, well, what do I say in this situation or what do I do in this situation? And my answer is, what is your intention? What is your intention is in stepping into that dialogue or stepping into that meeting or that particular situation? What do you want to provide to it, give to it? And what do you want to get out of it? And when you come to it with a particular intention, very, very clear, then you'll do the right thing and you'll say the right thing. And those words will just flow naturally, kind of like our conversation right here, right now. I was saying to you just before we got started is I walked out on my deck and I was thinking, well, what do I want to say? What do I want to get across? And it occurred to me as I lifted my forehead up to the sun and it was just like, oh, one of these moments where it was not about what I want to say. And it's not about what I want to get across. It's what about is going to come out naturally, organically in our conversation? And what is it that your audience, your listeners are going to need? And I can't know that, nor can you. But when we put it out to spirit, right, and say, okay, we'll have this conversation. We have no idea who we're really talking to and who needs to hear this message. 
but by allowing the right intention, the right conversation is going to come forward. A hundred percent of the time that has been my experience because I just never know, you know, where it's going to go or what we're going to talk about. And I love it because it's, it's always exciting. It's always new. And I always learn so much. Like, I feel like I learn more. I hope my audience learns just as much. But every time I sit down and talk, I'm like to someone, I'm like, wow, I just take lots of notes and just absorb like a sponge the information. So thank you for sharing all of your wisdom. Another question that I wanted to ask you when it comes to like leadership and knowing yourself, how important is it to take care of yourself and self-care, self-maintenance, but really just you got to bring your whole self and you got to be on your A-game, especially when you're the designated adult. You will have challenges because there are always challenges in leadership. Do you see the importance of self-care and do you coach and let people know certain ways to allow self-care or kind of give them some tough love about the importance of it? Yes. Self-care means different things to different people. Everybody's self-care is going to be very different. One person loves to just cozy up and read a book with a cup of tea. That is not my thing. I don't. <laughs> That would create stress for me. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I need to move my body. And I've been reading emails all day long. So why would I want to sit here and read a book under a blanket? That's not my thing. So my thing is get outside in nature, run around with the dogs, get out on my bike, get out on my backcountry skis, get out with my hood and whatever, friends. And so everybody's self-care is going to look very, very different. The other thing that I often share with people is that it doesn't have to be something really big. It doesn't have to take an hour. It doesn't have to take a half a day. It doesn't have to be an all-day retreat or a week away on vacation. It can literally be 30 seconds of just stop for a minute, walk away from your computer or walk away from the situation, whatever the situation is. And you'll get a new idea and you'll refresh. And quite honestly, sometimes it's literally I get up from my desk and I go to the restroom and boom, there come that new idea. And all of a sudden I feel re-engaged where just moments before I would have felt drained and tired and lost and unmotivated. And so sometimes it truly is, I kind of call it the walking meditation because it doesn't have to be a, I'm going to sit on my mat now and I'm going to do my yoga and I'm going to cross my legs and I am going to own. It's not that, not all of it, right? Sometimes it's just be in that space and free yourself, moving your energy, shift something and a new idea comes that re-energizes you. Perfect. Well said. You know, I, as you're saying about the meditation, I meditate every morning and really I just breathe and I never have good ideas. I never have breakthroughs. My meditation breathing time is really just to calm me down before the day. My best ideas are in the shower, hands down in the shower when I'm not like I have nothing to write on. I have nothing to record. And I just hope that I can hang on to it until I can dry off and write it down really quick. Because my brain is, you know, I don't have to think about anything. All I think about is washing my hair, conditioning and soap and turns everything off. And then my brain works. And that's what I try to 
teach people and talk to people that it's a strategy, that taking care of yourself is not a one-size-fits-all strategy. It's just a strategy, but to be aware how important it is to give yourself that grace, to give yourself time, because we're humans, we're not robots, and we can't be 100% on all the time without taking a little bit of downtime. What do you think about also honoring your energy when it comes to being productive or knowing, you know, whether you're a morning person or a night person and, you know, you well, you have to get up at 5 a.m. every morning. Not everyone wants to get up at 5 a.m. and that's okay. I am not productive after about four o'clock in the afternoon and I've learned to be okay with that. Right. It is so much more of about energy than it is about time. So many people talk about time management and time management, I think, is a bit of a fallacy. I mean, yes, you have to schedule your time to do certain things and be on time to meetings and that sort of thing. But at the same time, it's much more about knowing what energizes you and knowing what drains you. And in fact, I've done some exercises with people where If you can imagine like a mind map, so basically put yourself in the middle of, say, a piece of paper, right? Like a circle with your name in the middle of the piece of paper. And then you've got all these different lines coming off of that circle. So it's a truly kind of starts to look like, you know, a mind map. And on those various lines, you write out all of your different responsibilities, whether it be in life's you know, I am a mother or in a work, you know, a job situation. I have to do X, Y, and Z for my job. You write all of this out and then you take three different color markers. You take uh, like a pink, a yellow, and a green, something like that. And you highlight in green what energizes you. In yellow, what's neutral doesn't really do, you know, I'll do it. It's okay. And in red, what actually drains you of your energy? And when you do this, you actually notice, okay, so the draining ones, is there actually somebody on my team or somebody in my family or a friend of mine who this would actually be highlighted in green? It would totally energize them. They would love to do that Excel spreadsheet <laughs> where it would rain the heck out of me. And so then we can reorder some of our responsibilities to other people and we get to hold on to those things that truly energize us. And if we have to keep the rats, because, you know, you can't just do everything that you like to do and not the things you don't, But you can then identify what time of the day is the best for that exercise. That is excellent. I hope I'm going to do this exercise. And I keep thinking of the reds. I'm like, my house will never get vacuumed or the bathrooms will never get cleaned. But yes, but professionally, what a gift. And that goes to team building, community, the, you know, again, surrounding yourself with that diversity and skill set and what people are passionate about so that if you have more on the side of what energizes everyone, Excel spreadsheets, you know, that kind of thing, great. Then you're a more productive, efficient team. As we get ready to wrap up our conversation, I would love to know what have you found when you look back at your childhood 
and young Gretchen, what would you tell her today? If you could go back and say 12-year-old Gretchen is curious and asking questions and being a leader, what advice would you give her today? Don't care so much about what another people think or what you think other people think. I was very much trapped in that, you know, "Mm, I'm not going to be liked if I do X, Y, and Z and that type of thing. So it stopped me from being my authentic self, I think, early on. And it wasn't until I was much older that I was able to say, you know what, this is just me and it works. And when I do lean into the full me, that's actually when I'm most successful and happy. That's great advice. I I wish I would have given myself that advice too, really at 12, 20, 30. <laughs> so it's good to hear that. And I think it's really important. So thank you so much. I will put all of the links to your website and bio and everything in the show notes so people know where to find you. Great. Well, I would lo- love to hear from any of your listeners at any time. You're doing a great thing for our community, this podcast. I'm so impressed at how fast it has taken roots and it has flown high. So thank you for bringing these conversations into the light. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to listen to this episode. Curious on what to do next? Go ahead and follow wherever you're listening to this podcast so you can get updates each week when new episodes are released. And head on over to thefireinsideher.com slash audio for a free audio to help you get started on your self-care journey. Until next time, remember, you are a badass and you are not alone.